0: that buddy how you guys doing all right all right all right all right um let's talk about it dude this is the time of year where we're looking toward the season and we realize that we have some decisions to make sure it seems like every year now we have more players than we have roster spots Hmm. and one of the perceived ways we could move forward is i don't know not biggest fan of the conversation all the time because I think it gets lost, like some of the nuance of it, but let's talk about a trade, bro. A trade to get better. How do you feel about a trade?
1: So what, what do we talk? Let's just put up the, the parameters first of all, and let's talk about like, are we talking about a all-star player coming back? Are we talking about MVP coming back? Um, Not necessarily. Okay, so we're talking pre-All-Star player then? Like an All-Star caliber player, but hasn't broken through to the All-Star, right? Yeah, I would say on his way up because of the age of our team. Sure. Um, Okay, so under 25, an All-Star level player, but maybe hasn't broken through. Okay, so I'm looking at like this, man. Is that like if, if, if we're talking about a player like that, for now, what it would cost right now? Um, would probably be three or first uh, three or four first round picks to guaranteed to get it guaranteed um you know we've got 15 over the course of uh seven years or eight years so let's just let's just count that down are we willing to essentially give one draft pick a year to get a superstar on, on, on our level um this is where i struggle with this and i and i truly want to say this in the most meaningful way is because, I look at our draft picks as draft assets to move up into the draft, right? So anytime that we're sitting at a position like a 12 or we got a 25th and we want to move up into the top, you know, 10, how are we going to do that? Trading some of the picks that we have now, do we, are we willing to roll the dice when we haven't proven what we have done, right? Can what we can do right now, right now without another player next to Shea that's a superstar type level. Are we willing to, to gamble on that at this point of our, um, this thunders, you know, time period? I, I don't know if we are, man, because I don't know how this team is going to set up. I, I look at this and I've said since day one, I feel the thunder should only trade when we are sitting out if in the Western conference finals and we can't make it through. We just keep on running up against that Western conference final um, um, shelf, you know, like, then we make the trade to help us get over that hump. But we don't know what we can do right now. So I, it's hard for me to say, yeah, let's go for a trade. Let's go, let's go lever, leverage some of our, our uh, first-round draft picks to hopefully get a player that, that can pan out into our system.
0: So, all right, there are two players that I think, um, I, I think embody this argument right now. And I think over time it could be, um, I think it could expand into a couple more. Right. Um, I think, say, say a couple of years ago, if you had said Zion Williamson could be available. Sure. People thought we should trade Shea for Zion. Hmm. Okay. I never was one of those people. But now people think Zion's completely has no value. Sure. Okay. And I think that that is also a misstatement. I think um, I look at a player like Luka Doncic. Who, yeah. not long ago, people said you could, you'd have to trade Shea if you could. And now I think that's an argued idea. Like it's maybe 50 50 on which one's a better player. And I think Shea's on his way up. But say you could get one of these players for, say, five picks in and in a collection of players that were going to be borderline roster players. Sure. Mitchich Trey man you know, some guys that we like, you know, um, but mostly resetting Dallas's future. And it's, sure. let's, let's just say you're assuming that no other team can really put as many picks on the table or wants to at this moment for a player who has a limited time left on their contract. So all of those things are on the, on the table. Why wouldn't you be willing to take on a player, even like a Ben Simmons who three picks maybe gets him and then it costs you nothing really out of your core. Right. But all of a sudden your upside is much greater. Like, I understand that we're like, oh, well, we should go through Western Conference, you know, finals failures before we go sure. to the finals. But if you add a Luca to this team, if you added a healthy Zion and maybe the plan for Zion is like, hey, 40 games a year, that's all you need to play. But let's just hmm. make sure they're part of the playoffs. You know, like I get that people be like that. That would be terrible for our, our, you know, our locker room and our mentality. So those are the two examples I can think of. But there's always a guy like, say, Paul George, who when he came available, right, it was like. Our team wasn't good enough. I, people sure. can't blame Paul George for not leading us to a championship. It wasn't his fault. So I think like, if you were in the spot where there's a disgruntled superstar who's still young enough and they have a good attitude and you can put down more picks than anybody else and help that team get to a, a reset, yeah, I'm for it. I don't think that it could necessarily throw things off. I really don't. I think no more than Chet would necessarily come in and throw things off, and I don't see that happening because I think – the way that we play is such a free flowing style of the game. Like sure. it's it's beautiful. So maybe I'm, um, maybe I'm the only one, bro. Um, I, but
1: I, I don't think you are. I think there's a lot of people that are saying that like, you know, doing it, getting a trade and doing a trade is is smart. Um, I, I, I want to throw this out there on, you know, the most respectful way possible is because like, um, what's up,
0: Unk? what's up, OSU? What's up, Matthew?
1: Um, I, I, I look at this Unc, we're going to be getting to the call-in show in a minute here. We'll, we'll post it up here in a second here for you guys. Um, but you know, for me, I'm, I'm looking at this, this team and I'm saying like, uh, what do we need? Like what's a hundred percent, what, what is needed right now? And that's where I keep on going back to the drawing boards because people can say, yeah, we need a big man. We need another guard. We need this. We need that. My point about that is, is that what, what do we really need? Like, how do we know what we really need at this point? With these guys we don't well Why? I because these that. guys haven't gone out and played all together yet
0: but i'm talking like as we approach the trade deadline yes if a team is ready to tear it down and we're not like like this guy yes. has a skill set we could use and it's going to cost us four or five picks sure i mean you you think that's i mean there, there well, are certain I, players you can look, look at and say, i look at
1: chet we don't know what chet can do on defense as a big man we don't know what Jay will and Chet could do next to each other as big men. Okay, we don't know what JR um going to be able to do. We don't know if Garuba is going to be on this team. You okay, know? so there's the big men. Then we go guards, right? We don't know what Trey Mann's up to right now. We don't know, and and this can go down to of understanding exactly where the drawing board is. I'm glad that we we're having this discussion because I don't I don't know what's best for the Thunder. I could sit here and say I think that holding on to the draft picks for another year or at least 6 months and then re redefining what's going on at that point would be smart but that's february time period and i doesn't mean i'm right
0: imagine if paul george is available i mean we don't have another 6 foot 8 um small forward who can defend that high of a level and shoot the ball from behind the arc like i wouldn't say you would look at a guy like paul george and be like yeah his skill set would be redundant it might create a log jam but like he's Probably, I mean, not not the Paul George that's with the Clippers now, but the Paul George that we traded for back in the sure. day. Like, sure. if a player was at that level, I think you can look at it and be like, yeah, I mean, if they come in and they buy into the system, right? Yeah. Defend their position at a high level, then our ceiling goes up. Sure. And I just, I'm like, this could be a year for us to actually win the West. Like, I really believe that. Like, yeah. there's an opportunity here. And I think it's going to come from a team who's deciding to hit the reset button. Sure, And they, you know, new ownership, new management, whatever. They're ready to go. And there's going to be an opportunity to pick up a player that it's going to be expensive. But if Laurie Markkinen is a good example of like limited players on our roster who truly possess that skill set, Franz Wagner, another player. um, I'm I'm not necessarily saying
1: like there's one
0: player, but I'm saying... We should be buyers in this trade deadline. This time I, I
1: agree, but I would love to see if anything, like more so than anything is Jay will stealing a starting position away, you know, learning how to become that, that I, we need J will on that floor. You know, like everybody has a, a player like that. That's a second rounder. You can look at Draymond green that, that in a way is an enforcer in their own right. J will is that enforcer in his own right. And I think that, a lot of, of, of us want to, you know, I was a big man growing up. I was a small big man, but, you know, we, we always want to look at and say, this is what a team needs, but I, I'm sorry. With Jay will on the floor, we can go two big man or we can go a single big man. What's and up, I think that, that's, that's something that we got to look at. Like whether we need time to develop, like Matthew is saying for the squad, or if this team just needs uh, to understand what they can do, and I think that's the biggest thing that we're, we're we're facing right now as an organization is like, we've drafted all these players. We've got the coaching staff. We've got all this other stuff in place. Now it's just time to see what these young men can do. And if they can do something surprising and that's like, Whoa, we weren't expecting that from Oklahoma city. Then, then why add anything right now? You know, like if we're going out there and we're like, it's okay, we're one player away and this is the position that we need it from. Now we can go and say, you know, we're willing to pay a couple draft picks for marketing, or three draft picture, um, Laurie marketing, or you know Franz Rogner, or you know whoever the 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 fill in person that we need at that moment. You know, right? Um, I I think about how Sam Presti went to the draft to pick up big men, and he every every draft he was always trying to pick up a big man, like six ten. You know, whether it was Mitch McGarry or Yabaka um, or you know, he just kept on reaching for those big men because it was hard. You know. But here with how we have been able to draft, we've got our big men, we've got our guards, we've got our depth, we've got our draft picks, we've got our young assets, we've got our our veterans, and I just want to know what they can do. Like, flex your muscle, guys. let see what's up.
0: Okay, but let's just play this game a little bit more, bro. Last year we were talking about the idea that maybe we could get the the, um, the Portland Trailblazers pick for Lou Dort, yeah. right? <laughs> what if we could get... Damian Lillard for a combination of picks in Lou Dort. Like,
1: like, are, are, are we are we in the position, let's just say February, it's it's like, it's, like it's, Michael it's, Jordan's security guard. So like that. I mean, like, listen, I'm all for it. If we're sitting in a position in February and we're in the top of the West, you know, and another West team's like, hey, listen, we're going to go get Damian Lillard. And we're like, yeah, no, we'll take Damian and we'll trade him to the East next year. See, I, I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? I'm down with that. I'm 100% down because then we take him out of the West hands and we don't let him go to a team like Phoenix or a team like um, you know, Lakers or Clippers. We take him out of the West. We put him back in the East or put him in the East, not back in the East, but put him in the East while being up able to up our ante for him. Because to me, if the Blazers don't pull the trigger, right? And um, let's just say Jalen Brown is having a phenomenal season. Why, why wouldn't you know, like for me, I'll be looking at this saying, hey, the Celtics, you know, we, we've proven we like to work with you guys. Jason Tatum needs a point guard. <laughs> like after the season, we'll trade you guys. And and to me, that's that's how a, a well oiled um, organization runs is that they're able to understand that taking a player, a star player out of the West and then trading them to the East helps you out, you know, for winning purposes. And also it allows you to control the destiny destination for some of these players, you know, like maybe it's Miami that he wants to go Well, cool, we can get him to Miami, but we're not trading him to Miami without bringing Bam back for him, you know, and now we have a situation on our hands that we're literally sitting and we own all the pieces. And I think that's how we, we need to be able to look at this is that if halfway through the season in February, we have a chance to pick up a star player for, you know, Cheaper than it would have cost a year ago, it would be silly for us to pass on it because we can rehabilitate that career, turn around and trade him to the place he wants to go and and really walk away with an enormous with enormous payday.
0: Like I know it's crazy to think about, but I could see us in a spot where we're top four in the West and we make a play to make the team better. Maybe it takes a little bit of time. Like yeah. we understand that. It, but, like, in the playoffs, it'll give us a deeper um, capacity to get to the finals, potentially. And I sure I think deep down, like, the whole Kendrick Perkins thing was sort of, like, the polar opposite of what, I, what I'd like to see. Like, yeah. if we could have added Kendrick Perkins and we kept Jeff Green, that might have been the right situation. Sure. But, like, the last thing I want to see is us move on a player, like, that's young and has a long career in front of them. Um, for somebody who's at the nine of theirs. I don't know what you would say about KP exactly, but he was definitely not, you know, on his
1: way up. Sure. Yeah, man. I, um, um, all right. So Mitch says here, I don't think Jay will be the first backup. I believe Mark will run Poku first. I I, listen, I agree with that, but Jay will, isn't just a one trick pony. Um, Jay will plays that four position five position. He'll even play small forward position. Um, Jay will just gets playing time. That's what he does. I do think that Poku, when he gets back from his injury and broken arm, I do think he's going to get playing time, but there is a time period that he's going to have to get back into the system where Jay Will's already been playing into that system all summer long. So I do think that Poku has a, a ways to go to get back into the form of things. Um, but I mean, the reality is, is that I just love what Jay will can do. Um, the fact that he can take charges like he does brings a certain dynamics to the game um, that that we, we've missed so much um over the you know course of 20 years so I'm excited that about that but uh, Matthew Garcia, big shout out to you man I really appreciate what you're saying listen what was clipped of what we said about Victor was simply clipped um we yes we did call him some names um for um, um, punctuation stuff and, and and causing issues um but the reality is is that, our, our true you know, feeling about who Victor is and what he's going to become in the league. It hasn't changed at all. I mean, that's just, that's just that he has three years before he's going to do something great. But in that three years, you guys are going to see a lot of glimpses of something that's going to be special
0: for sure, bro. Are you ready to hit play on this Colin thing? Um, so that is the link. Um, boom, boom. Go. Um, mm-hmm. if, Boom, you that's guys, the one up. It, your phones will work. Um, your computers will work. If you're, you are want to try on your phone, we had a buddy um, who's now in Germany. Um, he used his phone. You have to download the app, the Riverside app. But um, we'd love to have you guys join us for the live call-in. If you guys are on another app or another listening platform, podcast, or anything, um, we want to start doing these live podcasts more. What's up, Jaden? Um, it's a great idea. Um, our listeners have kind of come up with about finding a way to share, you know, your guys' opinions about what's going on. I hate yep. using the word "takes" too much because it's really just about talking. We're not trying to like, I don't know, surprise anybody with some outstanding information. We're just trying to like have a community where friends hang out and talk about their favorite sports. So um, we're gonna see if this works. This is our first um, real opportunity. We're trying to make every day a call-in show, an opportunity to hear you guys and what you have to say. We've been talking through the chat for a long time so um, and this is our chance to hear back.
1: Yeah. so man, we appreciate Mani. we know you're one of the original guys. Um, uh, I think it's I think it's great the live show what's added to it. Um, I, I think I want to say it was February when we, we did our first live show. Um, and it really changed everything how we went from that point on because we, we recognized that we were actually able to connect to you guys. And that was way, way more than we, we've we ever had as far as watching games and different things like that. So that live aspect aspect brought something. And then now we have this, this call-in, man. I'm so pumped up about this call and being able to talk to you guys and stuff like that. Um, I'm excited about it, man.
0: All uh, right. I pinned that link. Um, All right. Cool. But- Anyway, dude, so who knows what's going to happen with this Poku versus Jay will situation. Yeah. I do know Coach Degnaw is really good at balancing things, and we want to make sure we have Poku healthy at the end of the season. So that's something that's really important. Um, well,
1: Jay yeah, and I, and I think, is, but I think that, that that position, and, and I, I respect what uh is saying here, or Mitch, Micah, uh, I respect what you're saying, and I, I want to echo it. Like, I, I do think that Poku – is going to end up getting more pay, playing time in the long run. But at this point when he's getting back from injury, he's got again, he's got an uphill battle to get get back to normal. And I don't think anybody should ever be rushed back from injury ever. Um so with that being said is that it might look top-heavy heavy for Jay Will getting more playing time than Poku in the bin, beginning, but that like Mark said, it's it's in order to get Poku to stay healthy all, you know, all year round. And that's the biggest thing. Absolutely. Um So
0: Jay Will showed durability I was pretty impressed with how he came on stronger as the season went on. That's right. Um he's going to put a lot of pressure on everybody. And I think he he's one of those players where his play style is contagious. So he's going to teach a lot of players how to take charges properly. Um you can't be around a like a all-time great charge taker and not learn a few things.
1: So, that's it, man. I mean, I I think I think with the way that Dort picks up those um Offensive fouls on um the opponents, you know, and how Jay Will sets up it does he what he does, um, Poku's blocking ability, Chet's blocking ability. Um, and then we got our perimeters with our seven foot-long arms, you know, Josh Giddy, Shay, J Dub. I mean, these guys have such crazy long arms. You throw them in the mix here, guys. Like the teams are gonna have an incredibly hard time to shoot over top of us. And on top of that, getting around us is gonna be very, very difficult. So I just I appreciate again how this whole um, organization has redefined like what is valuable as a player. You know, like listen, if Jay Will was in this last draft right here after somebody just went up and just almost broke the record for charges as a rookie, right?
0: Mm-hmm. There is
1: not a chance in the world that Jay Will goes in the second round. Like same thing with Dort when Dort was undrafted. The year after what Dort went drafted, there was, I'm telling you, there was a couple of guys that were drafted in the first round, late in the first round, that were very much like Dort. The people were like, saying, we the next Lou Dort. It. The next Lou Dort. Yeah. And it's it's redefining how people are drafting players. And it's just like with, you know, the second rounder with Jokic, you know, he was a second rounder, you know, now everybody's looking for that second rounder like that. And And to me, it's, you know, like it's all about the luck of the draw in the NBA. It is like how many times do we say like this is a surefire superstar in the league, and then the player comes out there has a couple good years and they turn into, I don't know, um, Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I, did. I, I know. You know, cool. That's that's great that they can average twenty points a game, um, but they don't have that it factor. And I think that's why for me, I'm looking at this team and I'm saying we got J Dub. I, I know he's got that it, fa- it factor. We've got Shea. He's got that it factor. Chet, he's got that it factor. I know people will disagree with me, but Dort has that it factor. He's got that it factor on defense, and I think that's way more valuable than having another guy on that offensive side that has that it factor because you need the dirty workers out there. And Dort, I mean, he has no problem getting in that mud. You know what I'm saying? He has no problems, man. And I think that's what's important to have guys like that that are willing to get dirty, that are willing to create that physical contact and that physical presence out there.
0: I oh shoot trade deuce man Joe Case and J Will Poku, that's a good that's
1: bench unit five? right there man. I like that second five. What about um hmm who can we add in there um I like Michich. that so we got yeah Mistich I like um him there um I like the fact that we have so many different players like Usman Jang that we can throw Kenny in Hustle. there, Kenny Hustle in there like that's the thing about this guys is that you just mentioned our top ten guys now our. 10 of our top 15 guys, but that was out without Kenny Hustle, Usman Jang, (laughs) you know, like people are sitting here and saying, you guys, you guys are not as good as you guys think you are. And and that's where I disagree when people come to me and say, you guys are not as good as we think you guys think you are. I disagree with that because if you look at this, what other teams have this situation where we have 15 guys that are seriously going to be taking up more playing time. And most of those 15 guys could probably be in the top seven, eight, players in most teams on most teams
0: Wiggins to me strikes me as a guy who sits just outside the top 10 right and then fills in any spot right comes into the starting lineup because a lot of times coach likes to keep the second unit intact so he'll bring in a group that's just kind of unique that um as the starting lineup to kind of keep intact so you keep Wiggins outside the top 10 even we'll though he can easily play with it, you mentioned JRE. Um, yep. He's going to be in that tough minutes situation. Um, all right, Ryan, we'll see you soon, man. Um, all right, Ryan,
1: appreciate you coming on, man. So, what's up, Wayne?
0: That's it, man. I feel like we got a lot, like a lot of depth, and it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, most games are going to play 10, maybe 12, but. A lot of the guys are going to be sitting there itching to get in the game because they're healthy. They're just on restriction time or so coach
1: said this isn't a matchup that I want you playing in. And, and I, I want to say to all those guys that are saying, what about this player? What about that player? All those players can get playing time because I, I'm, I'm sorry, we're not going to go an entire season without an injury. We're just not. I mean, I, I've never seen a, a team go an entire season without an injury in the top 10 players. And then all of a sudden a younger player steps up and, I don't know if Kaysen is going to be in the top 10 in the beginning of the season. You know, I just don't know. I, I I couldn't sit here and say Kaysen's a top 10 player in the beginning of the season. I do think that he's going to earn his way into there. But I think at this point, if you're looking at the guards, I mean, I, I think Kenny Hustle is above him. You know, I think Isaiah Joe's is above him. I think there's a cer- certain players that are that are above Kaysen right now. And that's not a diss to Kaysen. That's just Kaysen's got to step up and start playing. And he's got to sh- show the Oklahoma City Thunder. And by the time the season starts, if Kason's taken over that seventh or eighth spot, he's earned that spot. You know, because to me, again, we're going back to that varsity vibe that this team gives. Like you don't, you aren't given a spot. If your name's not Shea, your name's not J.W., your name's not Chet, your name's not Dort, your name's not Josh Giddy, you're not given anything. Even those guys aren't given it; they have to earn it. So we're going back to that old school thing, man, and it's amazing.
0: Absolutely, man. There's going to be a lot of depth. Like we always talk about, um, that's where coach gets paid the big bucks. Make sure that we're developing this it, man. young talent. Our top-end talent continues to fight at the top
1: level. Um, man, it's just trades. it's just simple as this. When everybody else is just begging just for the tip, we've got full penetration, and that's what this team is, man. Everybody's place. begging, just the tip, just just the tip. And we're like, nah, fuck that shit. We're we up have deep a lot of fun. Around. We're we having a lot deep. of fun this year. This year um, is going to be one of the best years for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not just because it's been two, you know, three years since we've like truly made a playoff run, but you know, we're getting close. All right, here we go, Unk. Unk, what's up, man? What is up, Unc? How are you doing, man? All right. No, you're fine. Man, we appreciate you. Hell, hell yeah, man. Well, we appreciate you consistently listening to us, and it's great to officially meet you. So um, sometimes we get on here, and we're always like, oh, I wonder, wonder what Unc looks like and some of these other guys. So it's great to be able to see faces. So we appreciate you. great that'd be great man that'd be great we love it
0: hey let me ask you um right before you get out of here man who do you think off the bench like you would put as our sixth man because that's one question a lot of people have with so much depth
1: I like it. Yeah, the old guy. Um, Yeah, he had Derek Coleman and those guys. Yep. Man, I like that. I, I I like I like that rotation of having of five thing. different guys out there at all times. You know, um, like. One thing I've noticed, like, is we've talked a
0: lot about finding ways to have like eight starters, 10 starters. You know what I mean? Like, I, so that's an interesting like solution. But like, I don't know if I don't know how some of those guys would feel about coming off the bench. But we've seen that kind of be a problem in the past. I'd like to see any cool solution like that that's kind of out of the box thinking. So I go ahead. I see a lot of people saying Isaiah Joe, six man of the year candidate.
1: No, I agree. Isaiah Joe, Mark, Mark's uh, Mike just went out there. Isaiah Joe as a six man would be fun. Um, But you know, for what you're saying, I, I, I like the idea of just mixing things up, you know, like, Making it a little bit different, making it um um a committee by six men, you know, like Sure. Yep. Sure. Yeah. That's it. Which, which I think is a huge thing to keep everybody healthy. And and I think, yeah. you know, when push comes to shove, if you are resting guys every five, six, seven games where it's like maybe it's not a full game rest, but it's a half a game rest or a quarter rest, like it allows these guys to be able to go 75 games and, and stay healthy. And I think that's key for this team. So I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you, Unk. All right. Appreciate it, Unc. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. We'll see you soon. No, but I, I think this is a a, a good idea when, when push comes to shove, Mark, is that um, the six-man by committee, by switching it up, different starters. A lot of people did not like Coach uh, Degnot's uh, way of um uh, uh rotation for substitution. I yeah, was a huge fan of it, like bro. It. I liked it because it was almost so sporadic that sometimes people were like, what is he doing? but i think what he's doing is he's taking what has been given to him as far as the numbers you know as far as what it's 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 people are seeing and then what are the numbers in the ai side of the big game and where it's coming now so i look at it and i say coach dagnon's done a great job to to switch to a rotation of a starting lineup man that's next level and that would be you know something that would be amazing to see
0: yeah i think there's obviously um like I think OSU trade you said it, um, it might seem like an insult to, um, giddy off the bench, you know, um, I think that's really the big challenge is like, where do how do you, um, blend like new, um, analytics about staying healthy with like old school traditional, like, this is what it means to be, um, you know, a starting point guard or a power forward in the NBA. Um. I think for a player like J-Dub, it's easy to say, like, he's got an NBA-ready body. Sure. And he's ready to take it to the next level. But to me, I find it really kind of fascinating to think, like, what his career will look like in 12 years if we can keep sure. him healthy. I think he, he, to me, he seems like Dwayne Wade level, like, legacy. If he can just stay healthy and put help us put up a few championships. So that's on the horizon for him. Um, will he reach that if he starts playing 82 games a season sure. every year starting this next year? Like, mm-hmm. I, I question like the longevity of players. Like this is something that we kind of went at it a little bit with Spurs fans although it was kind of like we were a little bit caught off guard because Spurs the Spurs like invented the idea of load management. Now it seems to me like load management to the Spurs means like end of career load management yeah. whereas like as Thunder fans, we're like beginning of career load management is, is We should important. be careful how we say this though. And we should. We should. But I'm just saying, like, like maybe this isn't something that the Spurs fans have thought about, but like we've seen the value of early career load management and when what how long that can help to um lead career um players' careers to be. Sure. And I just think that that's a, like an we were kind of surprised because we thought that the Spurs were the ones who invented that. And we're like, Oh yeah, sure. we all agree on this. And it was like, well, no, not necessarily early career load management.
1: And a lot of Spurs fans were saying stuff like Victor has said, he's going to have a spectacular year and he's going to come out and have one of the best rookie years. And you can have one of the best rookie years and only play 50 games, 45 you can totally games. Totally do that. And that's what I hope the Spurs do just because for, I like, I want 50. Victor to have a you know lifetime. All right. So real quickly before, uh, Mawani says it was Eric Musselman. Um, Unk was actually referring to Nolan Richardson. He was a oh, yes. coach there for 20-something years in Arkansas. Uh, Derek Coleman in uh, 1993. I think they won the championship in 95, whatever it was. Uh, I thought they had Coleman a hell of went to a year. Syracuse, dude. What? I thought Derek Coleman went to Syracuse. I mean, Coleman. Um, I, I'm thinking... Um,
0: They had a really good team. Big Arkansas man. I, yeah,
1: I can't even think of, of the big man. They in kept the, making it...
0: They were like... They scored crazy numbers and they would it, make it crazy. to the and final would, four. This is and what he
1: did. He would run the five guys in and then he would put his, you know, bench five guys, and then he would put his next team in, and they would just run team after team after team. And again, having that type of mentality is cool. So Unk, good job. Uh that was a hell of a, a name to pull there. Um pretty baller.
0: Very, very cool. Um Well, what's um let's see what Jaden said. I have a theory. We don't need any twenty twenty four draft picks, maybe one. We have to dump some good players this year. Why not package them for a really good young player like a hero or Miles Turner? Sure. That level uh, trade. Jaden, I agree 100%. I think um, picking the right guy, asking ourselves, like, is there a player that doesn't have a redundant skill set? Now, I'm a big fan of hero like you, Jaden, it seems like. But you start talking about Tyler Hero around Thunder fans, and it'll be like, honestly, it's like somebody brought up Will Harper. Yeah, Will, <laughs> Will Harper. Harper, legend of Will Harper from last episode or yeah. whatever,
1: Dave. No, no, I, I, Tyler hero has got game. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing is that like if we're just patient and we're just we're just sitting in that position of saying, hey, we're willing to help any team that looking for a trade to get this player. You know, like we're going to be sitting in a position to be able to get a player like Tyler Hero. You know, like why? Because we have draft picks that teams want. You know, like. And guys like Tyler, just not going to be expensive. They're just not like this whole, this whole change of the way the NBA is, is being played is everybody's starting to focus on the draft and they should be. And now all of a sudden they're saying, how do we get rid of these bigger contracts of these semi, you know, good players? How do we, how do we open up space for our our team to be able to get better? So that's where a team like the Oklahoma city thunder, who's saying we just need a shooter or we just need a defender. We get somebody for cheap.
0: And that's like what Unk is saying right here. Like, not that Giddy never starts, just that once in a while it changes up the lineups. Um, finding different ways, like you're saying, Dave, to give more opportunities so that you don't have, like, traditionally you could only have five starters. And therefore, if those five guys are the only people who could really be satisfied with their role on the team. Sure. And if you're like, we're going to open it up to seven starters and we're going to create rotations where different players are starting in different ways. And now all of a sudden every player feels like they're somehow involved in this. And then you can have like, it's a common theme for Thunder fans to be fearful that we have too many good players
1: or how do you balance that?
0: How too many draft picks. Like you got to find a way to like go um, non-conventional. Sometimes like great teams will have, Oh, this sixth man is our secret weapon off the bench. And, And then like a Jamal Crawford or my favorite player growing up, John Starks would kind of buy into those, roles and they would be the spark plug off the bench sure like we need that but like and that's big time isaiah joe sure type thing but then on the flip side you need to find a way where you're not just like five players in the six man like so who knows what the solution is i think coach degnall is one of the more innovative co- young coaches in this league so it's going to be fun to see the
1: solutions that he comes up with well and i think that's the 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 exciting part about what coaches D has to do is that he's going to earn his, his new paycheck. You know, um, that's what I want to see. I want to see him how to figure out how to do this because if he can do it right, I mean, it's on, you know, if he can't do it right, then we got to push the reset. Um, and that's something that we don't want to, we don't want to do, you know, we're too far into this rebuild. <laughs> and, and I think this is the thing where we're, we're sitting is that like, in the past, if a, a player like James Harden or Russell Westbrook didn't pan out, it would have stunted our organization completely. Unlike any other time in the Thunder history, we're set. If a player like J-Dub goes out and knock on wood right here, but tears his ACL and doesn't get to play another chance in the NBA, or at least for the Thunder, right? Is that How bad is that going to uh, hurt us? It's going to hurt us. It's not. Gonna, I'm not going to sit here and lie but we'll be able to have that next man up mentality because of how deep we are. We're going to feel his pain leaving, but we'll be able to cover down. I mean, the same goes to Josh Giddy. The same goes to Chet. The same goes to, you know, Shay, like this team is designed for the next man up mentality because injuries are inevitable. And if we just plan for it and we go for it, things would be good. And I, and that's why I'm excited about this team. And we've got, we've got so many different structures and so many different ways to go about what we're doing. And I just can't. I can't say it enough, man. The Thunder. Hey, going- said. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry to cut you no, off. Go ahead. The Thunder are going to rewrite how to rebuild in two years because this is this is a whole new next level.
0: Um, let's see. Moani said that
1: Poku is playing Fibo. Oh, yes. But so that's exciting, bro. That's that's. Hey, Milani, I want to ask, is that is that new news? Because I've been I've been scavenging everything I could possibly find about that. Um yeah. So if it is brand new, hell yeah. Um we also getting a um, Wayne is asking about is there any players um from Brazil that is playing? Um I'm not aware. Uh you know, I want to say um there is a player that is playing at um Santa Cruz. Um, Santos is his name um 2002 when he was born so he's young so he's playing at Santa Cruz everybody else is a, a player that's playing in um, Brazil France or, G- or uh, Spain or Germany so um you know there's a couple of them that I've seen through scouting and stuff like that um, but most of them are born in the 90s um, there's only a couple two thousand guys that we haven't necessarily scouted yet so um but Brazil, though, I mean, they they seem to always have a, a nice little team. They had like Verijao and some other um young players at one point um playing. That was nice to see. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who That's knows? It's awesome that you get to go watch them, man.
0: Um good vibes, man. Um I'm pumped, dude. I think we gotta keep paying attention to this FIFA stuff. Um, and you know, obviously focusing on the game. And Unk, thank you for being our first call in.
1: Yes, Unc. We appreciate you, man.
0: Big time stuff, man. And we're going to, like we said before, we're going to make this show call in ready pretty much every show. So that's it. Just let us know.
1: All right, guys. We'll catch you tomorrow.